This Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Hey guys, we are here for another action-packed week of Be Heard Talk. If you're confused about why we're not saying let your voice be heard anymore, we are also using this corona crisis to go through a rebrand. So in the coming days, you'll be seeing a new logo, you'll be seeing a new website, our social media profiles are going to be changing as well. If they haven't done so already, it is now Be Heard Talk. We're still shooting for the same things, educating, informing, and empowering, particularly to speak to black and brown communities and communities of color, but all are welcomed. And this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here on the PC ones and twos and the anchor twos and threes. You can find me on Twitter at Stan Fritz. You can find me on IG at Stan Fritz. You can find me on Facebook at, actually, I think my account is suspended right now, so you can't find me. But anyways, what's going on, guys? Yeah, happy Sunday. Um, Also, an FYI, we are no longer recording in our studio at WHCR um, 90.3 FM since we're all quarantined, or at least there's been an order for us to stay at home. So we are recording via podcast only. But, you know, nonetheless, even with the circumstances, I'm super happy and excited to have this discussion. I mean, it's just so much going on in this crazy world. And I know we've been saying that ever since Trump got elected. But it just never seems to cease. Like, the craziness always finds a way to accelerate. And I'm just like, it's because of Trump. Um, But no, nonetheless, (laughs) so my name is Selena Hill. Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at Miss Selena Hill. And Miss is spelled with an M-S. Because you're not married, right? (laughs) I can't with you. Single. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Hi, Selena. Hi, Stanley. Um, This is a really cool mode of recording. So I just want to say big ups to all of us for our creativity. And it's really nice seeing how people are kind of changing their lives in this quarantine to adapt. So I'm happy to have this platform where we continue to educate, we continue to empower from our own bedrooms. Um, Hey, everyone. It's your problematic fave, Tammy Bobami. I'm reporting live from Flatbush today. I am currently holed up in my room for what is now technically five of my self-quarantine, but I'm going on day 100. Um, if you want to follow me on the socials, follow at your own risk because I'm getting real loopy in quarantine. You can catch me at Miss David if you nasty on IG and at Rude What if you're Black. not nasty? Well, then you don't follow me, Stanley. Follow instructions. Hello. <laughs> if you're vanilla, you may not follow me on Instagram. Um, mm. <laughs> at Rude Black Kami on Twitter. Black is spelled BLK. Um, so before we get into our main story today, which is obviously a lot, uh, we want to give you the news roundup. From the petty to the pertinent, these are some stories that we feel you need to know to jumpstart your week of staying at home and drinking over FaceTime. Uh, so first things first, where are we at in our Democratic primaries right now, y'all? Like, this week, for me at least, has shown me that Corona is controlling everything, even the electoral process. Seven states so far has, have postponed their primaries. Connecticut, Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Ohio. But for some reason, not all states have stopped their primaries. And for the states that voted, we saw Biden sweep the race. So I just want to know, like, what are you guys' thoughts on whether or not this can be counted as legit- legitimate? Selena, what do you think of Biden's sweep? First of all, this is a public health crisis. 
we are mandated to stay home, at least in four states. And I know certain other states, like I think there's like seven states that aren't taking it as seriously um, and they're not ordering people to stay home. Nonetheless, if you care about your health, you should not be congregating in large crowds. What happens when you go to vote? You are amongst a lot of people in close proximity. Every governor should have postponed this primary. And if you ask me, the reason why they didn't do it is because Biden has a huge momentum and they want to take advantage and they want to sweep in and they want to just get get as many votes as they can. And it's they're putting the public's safety at risk at this point. It's, it's all about making sure Biden, the establishment Democrat in this race, wins. And that's why I'm extremely fed up and upset. And even Bernie said we should postpone it. Yeah, and you can tell the fix is in because the DNC has been threatening to strip states of delegates if they postpone their primaries. It's it's just absolutely absurd. And, you know, I feel like every couple of years I say I'm done with the Democratic Party. Mm. But, you know, I see how they move now. I know who they are, so I know what it is. And it is what it is. Bernie, listen, he he's lost this race. It's pretty <gasps> obvious now. Uh- don't say that. It's pretty obvious now. The numbers don't work in his favor. Even if he stayed in this race and split the rest of the races in a way that Biden couldn't get all the delegates he needed, there was no way that like Bernie could win a brokered a broker convention. It's not happening. Mm. So I'm with Bernie to stay in this race and push Biden to as far as left as he can or at least get Biden to commit to doing some things that, that Bernie supporters want. So I'm with him for that. But yeah, this is over. And the Democratic Party is doing nothing but just solidifying my, my stance to not want to affiliate with them when this is all said and done. Mm. Um, and if we lose to Trump, it'll be because of the Democratic Party, by the way. Agreed. I mean, so, well, like, I'm done with it. it's at least interesting to see where Sanders' campaign is going right now because Sanders has made calls to postpone primaries. He's also calling on Congress to up the amount of money Um, which we'll talk about later, that they want to send out to individuals facing the crisis. But most importantly, his campaign has moved from, uh, you know, obviously campaigning virtually to coronavirus Mm -hmm. relief. He's raised $2 million Mm -hmm. so far for coronavirus relief. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's really sad to see with the primaries. Agreed. (laughs) And, like, I don't know, it's just, I haven't processed the fact that Bernie can't win yet. I actually have been treated, so... Option two was trending earlier today. Um, people saying, oh, no, option Bernie, I think it was. And people were saying Bernie, like, begging him not to leave the race. Um, so I think, I mean, I get it. The reality is here. It's just going to take me a process to set in. As I said in pre- previous shows, like, I was extremely emotionally invested in Bernie. I've been following him even and supporting him even before the 2016 election. And I just feel like if now now is the time that we need some type of change, some type of revolution, coronavirus has proven, like Tammy said last week, how fragile capitalism really is. And do we really want to go back to an economy that can be taken down by Microsoft, like a, a microscopic virus? I, I don't know. Mm. So like, and again, the people who are going to be safe are going to be the millionaires and the billionaires. And all this is going to be placed on the working class. And this is the same message Bernie has been pushing for four decades since he's been in Congress. And it's like, if people don't want to wake up and vote for something that will actually be effective for them in their everyday lives, what else, what can we tell them? Yeah. It's true. Well, you know, on that note, I would say, you know, we're not going to push people to go to the polls, 
do what you can from your homes, but, you know, protect yours and protect your community. If there's one thing you can do to make yourself feel like you're democratically involved right now or you're putting forth some sort of civil action, please, everyone, fill out the census form. So the census went live about a week and a half ago. And if you guys go to census.gov, it'll take you five minutes. You don't have to wait for your mail-in form, although one is supposedly coming. I'm not sure when. Have you guys? I got mine. You got yours? What about you, Selena? Yeah. I did too. Oh, yep, I got weird. Mine. I didn't get mine. We did. I did mine um, a couple of days ago. Okay. Okay. Well, just so you guys know, um, I think we will we'll continue to cover the census coming up. But if there's anything you need to know, it is important now more than ever to the census. It tells mm-hmm. the federal government for a lot of things, from you know representative count and delegates that we get but also federal yeah. spending allowances. And for us three as sneakers, it's especially critical right now because we're sitting here begging the federal government for supplies for our hospitals. So they need to know how many people we're really serving. So fill out the yeah. census. And mm-hmm. No, so yes, fill out the census. And also don't forget, folks, listen, you, if your document is still filled out, they don't have the question on there. They're not looking for it. You should be okay. Yep. Yep, you will be 100% fine. Um, Last but not least, before we get into our super important main topic for today, um, before we get into how our lives are about to change, probably a lot of us for the worse, we want to talk about those whose everyday lives have already changed since we found out about this, you know, far off disease in Wuhan, China. I want to Mm -hmm. talk about the escalating xenophobia that Asians all over the world, but particularly right here in the U.S. right now, are experiencing. From from vandalism Mm -hmm. to street fighting, all the way up to media embarrassments from our very own president and his favorite network, we need to talk Mm. about how giving this virus a nationality has escalated anti-Asian sentiment to the point of extreme violence. Selena, Mm. let's be honest. Were you Mm -hmm. shocked to see Trump call this the Chinese virus? I am so over the ignorance and xenophobia that comes from this president. He doesn't even cease to shock me. First of all, he actually retweeted a conservative who used the term like two weeks ago, right? And he got a lot of backlash. Then he has this press briefing where um, he used, then he tweeted himself, actually. He used the term Chinese virus. A few days later, he has a, a press briefing And he calls it the China virus and he justifies it by saying, well, China's been blaming us for the spread of the virus. And they've been saying that the reason why they got it was from the U.S. military. So he says in order to be accurate, I'm going to call it the China virus. And then a reporter, one of the White House correspondents, pushed back and says, you don't think this is racist? You don't think this is xenophobic and it's jeopardizing Asian Americans and their lives? And he's like, no, I don't. And, and it, he goes off and he continues to use it. And I mean, it's, it's like now is the time for unity. Now is not the time for division. Now is not the time to be passing the buck. The bottom line is him and his administration did not take provision when this virus first came about and they first knew about it. They knew about this months in advance since late 2019. And the only provisions they made was they started trading stock and they started um, selling yep. their stock off. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Instead of 
making some provisions to prevent this from becoming the global pandemic that it has become today. So I can't with him. And the thing is that makes me even more upset is his followers. They're like dumb sheep because whatever he says, it just goes. They don't question it. They don't think critically. And they're just spreading this around. And as a result, um, there have been attacks on Asian Americans. Uh, and if I, if I can, um, there were uh, two attacks on in um, Indiana. Um, actually, not an attack. These two people, they were trying to look for someplace to stay. And they were turned down from both a Super 8 and a Days Inn in Indiana back in February. And then on top of that, there was this viral video of a man spraying this Asian person with Febreze on the subway. Oh my God. Did y'all see that? Did y'all yeah, see that? Like, like I don't I don't mess with any racism or like bigotry towards any group of people. And what's happening to Asian people and Chinese people in particular is completely out of the line and is wrong. People need to stop messing with this BS false dichotomy. This false narrative called the model minority. There's no such thing as a model minority. It is not Chinese people's fault that we have there we have the coronavirus. Do not listen to Trump and his racism and his stupidity. This man is garbage. Do not forget Agreed. that. Oh, At the sorry, end of the ahead. day, I mean, this <laughs> virus is a biological organism and it does not discriminate. And I feel like the Trump administration, nope. not only have they not taken this seriously from the very beginning, which is going to cost thousands of Americans their lives, but continuing mm-hmm. to disseminate false information like this is going to make his followers and other people believe that this virus is what it isn't. Like when people hear things like the Chinese virus, they start asking stupid questions like, can I get it from my packages from China? Can I get it from eating Chinese food? <laughs> no, you cannot because it is a virus. And that is scientifically. Can I get it from watching like, Hensei? It is not how <laughs> science works. So like, no, it is not the Chinese virus. It is a virus that originated perhaps in China, but is definitely coming to nerf us all. Oh, we're screwed. Really? No, we're not, guys. Can we end the news roundup on some on a happy yes. story? D nice. So yes. I so I don't know about you folks, but I have been having a blast joining DJ D nice's IG live quarantine party. So DJ D nice has been going on Instagram live every day for the last five days and DJing for several hours playing all the hits. Last night, um, Saturday night, Michelle Obama joined. Joe Biden joined. I haven't seen Joe Biden since he won the Michigan <laughs> primary. He joined. Bernie Sanders joined. Oprah got in there. Will Smith, Jada Pinkett. It was a blast. It was a star-studded blast. So, if you're looking for something to do, D-Nice is going live every single day from 5pm until whatever. It's always fun. Join us. So I actually had a flashback and an anxiety attack oh, while wow. um, participating briefly in the party. You missed um, that old thing, huh? Yeah, I, I, I kind of did. Not to be the Debbie Downer. So, like, I attended some of his events in person, and his parties are lit. Like, don't get me wrong. And it took me back there, but then it also made me miss it that much more and reminded me mm. that I've been quarantined for over 14 days. And how much I wish, like, miss those events. And, like, guys, full disclosure, like, I'm an extreme extrovert. <laughs> I don't know how I'm surviving at this point. But, um, yeah, it just made me miss it. Like, I'm going to try to get into the party, like, the next one he does. Mm-hmm. And just try to, like, free my mind a little bit. 
and not think of the fact that I probably won't have that experience in real life for months, if not a year. <laughs> oh my god! Damn, Selena. Damn. Tammy, can you put, can you make can, can you make a happy again, please, Tammy? That wasn't expecting all of that. Can I make a what again? Can you make it happy? Do you have a nice happy thought about <laughs> DJ Nice's thing? Um. Well, I just think it's a great show of solidarity, and our lives are changing, are unprecedented for like us and selena i really get you on the extroverted vibe there is nothing like face-to-face connect with people next to you there's nothing like a room but you know it is really nice that people like d nice creatives celebrities media folks are all coming together to you know share their services with people who may be feeling like you do at this moment and who may be you know on the same vibe i'm sure for someone like d nice who like his thing is nightlife. Like, he must be struggling right now not going out. Mm-hmm. So, at the very least, it's a really good show of community solidarity. And when we get out of this, all of us will feel so much more connected to a greater network. Like, think about how good that mm. first party is going to be. And picture what your mm. first drink order is going to be and your first outfit. Girl, <laughs> I started planning my first outfit already. I'm so excited. So, let's keep it on the positive. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, we all gonna be unemployed, so we go party right away. Just imagine what that first job interview when you fight with seven people is gonna be. That <laughs> first job interview, they're gonna be like, "Okay, we can offer you a salary of fifteen grand per year." Um, <laughs> with I'm the I was like, "Yes, I'm right, seriously." Word. You need a PhD for the job. Sorry, you like. Oh my god! Oh my god! Well, that's it for the. That's it for the news roundup. Stay tuned and come back and join us for COVID-19 and the economic collapse that is about to happen. Word. That sounds like a Harry Potter movie. COVID-19 and the economic (laughs) collapse. COVID-19 and the prisoner Azkaban. Oh, where are we today? Beautiful. We'll be back, guys. All right, guys, after a news roundup where we talked about the xenophobic language being used to describe coronavirus, um, Bernie possibly dropping out the race, and all the other detrimental news that made me sad. Uh, but at least he ended about DJ D, uh, DJ D Nice's parties, which were good, but still yeah. brought me sadness. Nonetheless, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I know, right? Um, nonetheless, it's time to talk about COVID-19. Oh. So... It's Sunday, March 22nd, and coronavirus cases in the U.S. rose to at least 29,253. There have also been at least 340 deaths, while 176 people have recovered. Worldwide, the confirmed cases of COVID-19 surpassed 300,000. Counted among those are celebrities like Idris Elba, Tom Hanks, professional athletes, members of Congress, world leaders, and everyday people. Meanwhile, Rand Paul's got it. And uh, Rand yep. That's why, Thoughts and prayers. That's why <laughs> he said he's not showing symptoms. Uh, he's well, fine. We've he's got so, time. He, well, he's completely healthy. Um, remember he used to show videos of himself working out a few years ago? Okay, nonetheless. <laughs> you guys remember that though, right? <laughs> oh, I, I do don't now. remember that, but that's greasy. Yeah, that's nasty. No, I want to see him doing push-ups. <laughs> Um, nonetheless, the effects of this novel virus has had the, 
that the effects that this novel virus has had on the economy are staggering. According to reports, the global economy has entered the opening stages of a recession that has the potential to become a depression. Already, large parts of America have been shut down for the sake of public health. From the restaurant industry, to air travel, to auto manufacturing, to hotels, to gyms and cruise lines, these sectors have all come to a screeching halt. The stock market has posted enormous losses and wild daily swings, and the price of oil has plummeted. Meanwhile, layoffs across the country are taking place in waves. Weekly jobless claims rose to 281,000 the week ending on March 14th, and Goldman Sachs estimates the number will climb to 2.25 million from March 15th to March 21st. As a result, it's safe to say that after more than a decade of expansion, the next recession is here. But it's not Wall Street traders who are on the front lines of this economic crisis. It's everyday workers. And what may be even scarier is the fact that we don't know when this is going to end. So in today's podcast episode, we're going to discuss the economic fallout of the corona crisis and the implications that it has caused in politics and our everyday lives. To start this discussion, let's just take a moment to unpack the experiences, anxieties, and psychological effects we felt over the past week. And I wanted to kick it off with you, Tammy. Just what have you been feeling with all of this turmoil and crisis? So when this started, right, I kept making jokes, not, okay, jokes is a strong word, but I kept saying to my friends, like, you know, I, I have depression, like staying home is nothing to me. I love staying home. Um, you know, I'm used to it. Those of us with depression have been training for this event forever. <laughs> but like philosophical powers that be, Cardi B, say, it's just getting really real. Like, I, it is so different staying home when you're being told to it is so different having fear like genuine fear for going out and i'm not gonna lie over the last week my anxieties have escalated like totally escalated also something that i thought worth mentioning in particular about our topic is that i'm starting to get a kind of survivor's guilt y'all like I feel really, really guilty because I work for, you know, a really well-to-do financial firm in Midtown. And fortunately, my job was moved to working from home. But I'm basically going to be one of the few people in my circle that are still economically stable. Like, I'm talking to so many of my friends all over the U.S. who have been laid off from not most of these people don't even work just one job but like my friend hit me up today and said she lost all her jobs all her jobs and she's trying to figure out unemployment for the first time so like I cried the other day because I am so blessed to have an income coming in but 
I'm feeling extreme guilt that it's me that's doing okay. And that droves of people all around me are losing their income. They're not able to pay rent. They have no idea how they're going to get groceries next month, especially when the lockdown gets real and they'll have to start using expensive Instacart and stuff. So I don't know, like it's starting to really take a toll on me now. Mm, tragic. Um, thank you for sharing that, Stan- um, Tammy. Stanley, what are you feeling? Yeah, you know, I, like, I've really been trying to do a decent job of just like managing my emotions and managing my anxieties because like Tammy said, this stuff is really real. And so I'm in decent shape because like I have a job and my job should be okay through this crisis. But a lot of people are not. So that's been really frustrating. And I like, just think about family. Um, it's been really challenging to not just be like scrolling through the news and looking at every single Corona related story. And then like not like panicking. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely been rough. Like I said before, um, I'm very, very worried for what's going to happen to people who do not like have the job security that I have, who um, who aren't as healthy as I've been lucky enough to be. It's it's just a scary, scary time right now. Um, and all you can do is be positive, but on the bright side, and I don't mean to like try to like be that guy who has to have a bright side for everything. But this this lockdown which has been frustrating and challenging, has also helped me connect with friends. Yesterday, I was on the phone with one of my friends for three hours on purpose. Mm, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah, and like I haven't done that <laughs> in years. I don't like to do that usually. But we, we had a great conversation. We just kept going, and I had the time to do it. On Friday, I was on, I was on a FaceTime chat with a bunch of people. We were playing games. It's kind of been really cool. The D-Nice concert was really nice. It just was. I've gotten to like hang out with Marilyn more, watch some shows, watch my own shows. Um, it's it's been challenging in a lot of ways, but it's also been like some silver linings in there as well. And I want to like acknowledge those in the moment. Yeah, no, I, we definitely appreciate your honesty and just unpacking those feelings. Um, for me, it's definitely been conflicting as well. Like I have those moments where I appreciate getting more sleep. I appreciate not having to commute an hour point five up to two hours every morning to get to an office. Um, You know, obviously I'm grateful to still have a job, but you know, when I think of my community, when I think of my friends, my family, my mentors, they are stressed out. If especially like a lot of people who I know who own small businesses, Mm -hmm. they're just trying to stay afloat. And then other people who have like retirements in the stock market on like all their Ugh. money there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like people mm-hmm. who can't work after in like a few more years because they were betting on retiring. Like, yeah. you know, this that, that's mm-hmm. very, very stressful. My 401k and, took a major hit. I'm sorry to oh, cut you so, off. So has mine. Like I have um different I refuse to look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mine it doesn't take a major hit, but then again, like we're in our thirties. Like, I lost I ten thousand dollars. Oh whoa, Stanley, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that'll I'm sure that will eventually bounce back. Um, you're not retiring anytime soon. Like you have another 20, 30 years. Yeah, that's true. Willing. You're but right, like, but keep... that's, that's still hurt though. <laughs> exactly. And it hurts even more for the person who's 72 and 73 Point or taken. like 67. Like it's just a lot. And then we think about all of the millions of families who are forced to navigate this crisis without any safety nets. 
like a lot of us live paycheck to paycheck. A mm-hmm. lot of us don't have a savings. And if we do, it's not going to cover months on end, like yeah. what's being predicted. Um, you know, and I shared the stories with you guys offline, even with um, my sister. Um, she's my half sister, so she doesn't live with me. But, mm-hmm. you know, I fought to get her into college and, you know, get her on campus. And she was really thriving and, and thriving there, um, you know, after dealing with some hardships at home. But like, mm-hmm. boom, she's back at home now. And it's like, you know, at, at 18 and you don't really know, you know, who you are and you're not surrounded with the best circumstances, that can be even more troubling and yeah. challenging. So, again, I'm appreciative for the many lessons that I have. But when I think about how much harder this is hitting people, it's, it's, almost, it's almost overwhelming. And, you know, when we talk about being hit hard, one of the hardest places is our pockets. Yep. You know, a lot of us don't like capitalism, mm-hmm. especially us on this phone, on this podcast recording. Yeah. But it's the reality. And yeah. it looks like we're headed towards a recession. And, you know, when I say that, I just want to take a moment to define what a recession is, right? So the National Bureau of Economic Research defines a recession as, and I quote, a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy, lasting more than a few months, normally visible in real GDP, real income, unemployment, industrial production, and wholesale retail sales. Mm. So... Guys, how does that make you feel? Like, especially as millennials, you know, Stanley and I are a little older than Tammy. So we lived through that first financial crisis in 2008. We graduated in, you know, during the Great Recession and things bounced back. Like our, like Stanley, you talked about having a promotion. You talked about elevating in your career. Um, so have I. And now it looks like we're headed towards a downturn. Yeah, this is... That last recession was rough, and we graduated right into it. It was really hard. To, like, it was really, really hard to find jobs. That was not easy mm. at all. That was a dark time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people didn't recover from that until, like, 2011, 2012, 2013. Like, people, like, they talked about the economy recovering, but, like, really, people didn't, some people didn't get out at all. Yeah. I mean, I was, 2008, I was in eighth grade going into ninth grade I don't I don't think my parents ever recovered from 2008 if I'm being totally frank yeah. um because my dad's my dad's a laborer and um he does construction and I remember significantly him being home like all the time because mm-hmm. people weren't you know getting mm-hmm. vanity projects done on their homes like they kind of scrapped repairs even if they were necessary just to save money mm-hmm. Um, my grandma's hours got cut um, in the healthcare field. It was, it was madness. But I'm, I'm really scared about th- about this, y'all, because this is my first time being in something like this as an adult. Yeah. And I'm a, I'll keep it totally 100 with you guys and everyone who listens. I still struggle right now. Like I really struggle. Yeah. This, this past like year and a half has been the hardest of my life, both like mentally and financially. And, like, I still don't have savings. Yeah. Mm. I don't have savings. Like, I literally don't have savings. And I was planning on taking my tax refund for a much-needed vacation. But, like, you know, A, there's no vacation happening. And, B, how stupid would that be right now? Like, I, I have no idea how to prepare for something like this. And, like, I... I don't quite understand like how my life will change, but just 
being in 2020 and remembering how badly it impacted my family, like I know it's going to hit me hard because I'm not at the income level yet or at the stage in my career yet where I can be totally secure. So I'm just hoping that my position in my company is solidified at least for the next year to where I can build enough savings and, you know, manage from there, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it's tough, especially in, you know, all three of us have jobs that allow us the luxury to work from home. For those folks who are in services, you know, the restaurant industry or freelance, it's it's much worse for them. And I want to talk about the economic impact that coronavirus is having on those people, on our local communities and small businesses. Um, I'll start with you, Stanley. Yeah. So a lot of places are going to suffer from this. Um, all the gyms have been closed. Planet, like from Planet Fitness and Blink to Harlem Fitness and Harlem Cycle, these places are closing. They're not getting business, and that takes a big chunk of workers out, out, of, just out of the equation. You're having like local mom and pop shops are closing. People who are working at fast food restaurants, the hours are extremely limited, and they're closed. This is really hitting people in a lot of different ways. Folks who are just launching their businesses, who they, they still have to pay rent for brick and mortar but no one's showing up to it and they can't be there and they got to make payroll. They got to pay off loans. Everyone is struggling in New York state. The governor has suspended mortgage payments for, um, for renters and resellers for the next 90 days. And that'll, that'll help a little bit, but mm. people still have to pay rent and rent is coming up in two weeks. Not even the first, the first is right around the corner. What are people going to do about that? So it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how things go. And, the longer these places don't have active business coming in, they're losing money like the airlines, the more the more likely it's going to be that like we're going to end up in a situation where a lot more people are going to get let go. I think it was United Airlines, I need to double check that, just fired 1,200 people with no severance, just laid them off mm. because of what's going on right now. We are in a yeah. very precarious situation. I mean, I see it in my neighborhoods too. Like, I... A lot of businesses, when you walk down the block, like I live in Brooklyn. It's a very like intimate local community. I live in Flatbush, like the non-gentrified version or the like slowly becoming gentrified version. Mm -hmm. And everyone here is really dependent on each other. Like, you know, your bodega guys, you know, like you buy your chorizo from like the Mexican shop and you buy your plants at JNL and you, you know, you support businesses whose people, you know, the names of and. Like, I won't lie, before before um, Friday, I was still trying to go out, like, once a day and, like, very carefully support, like, one local business. And I am watching the workers freak out actively. Mm. Like, basically, even especially with the actual virus scares, like, people want to support their local businesses, but people are scared that they'll even get the virus, like, in food delivery packages or... Just by showing up to like a brick and mortar store. So like, I hate to say it, it just feels so hopeless right now. Like it feels horrible knowing that like they're going out of business and there's really nothing that can be done about it. Well, I disagree with that part. There is plenty that can be done about it. And our government has a responsibility to do something about Mm. it. So Governor Cuomo took the right steps in suspending mortgages right now. And he needs to do the same thing for rent. We need to be, for, like, we shouldn't be putting the cost of expenses on any company that cannot function 
because of this quarantine. We had to be covering them. We need to be sending money families. I mean, families money so they can sustain. $1,000 is not enough. We need to be sending at least $2,000 to everybody every single month that we are having mm. the shutdown so they can afford to pay for food. We need to be doing everything we can to make sure folks have it. Because the biggest mistake they made in 2008 is when they had a chance to put money into the economy by giving people money, mm. they did not do it. Well, I mean, Stanley, you actually lead to a great point. Um, I wanted to bring this up later, but mm-hmm. you know, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about the coronavirus checks that the GOP is finally considering. Um, you know, Senate Republicans put forth a proposal last week. They want a mail check to Americans, but it turns out um, not everyone would qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the proposals, individuals who earn up to seventy-five thousand a year per their 2018 tax returns Mm -hmm. would be eligible for a $1,200 check from the federal government and married couples who joined their taxes, who filed their taxes jointly and make less than 150,000 would receive 2,400. However, that payment would phase out entirely for individuals who make more than who made more than ninety nine thousand, mm-hmm. and for anyone who falls in between seventy five thousand and ninety five and ninety nine thousand, you would receive the sum of your payment would fall by five dollars for every hundred dollars earned over seventy five thousand. Mm-hmm. And I know that gets a little tricky, but then it gets even trickier if you happen to be a person of less means. So poorer people or people who have little or no tax liability, but at least 2,500 in qualifying income, they would receive a minimum of a $600 check in payment. So that's half what everybody else would be receiving if they make less than 75,000. The proposal also um, talks about giving at least $500 to people who have children. So, you know, I bring this up because you were talking about the government's role and protecting us and basically it's like how are you going to distribute our tax dollars that we've been paying into for the entirety of our adult lives to make sure that we're protected so what do you think about this proposal this proposal is not good uh everybody should be getting money no questions asked because especially like you can make i have friends who make ninety thousand dollars a year in new york city it doesn't mean anything because new york city is that expensive that's one two the people just because you have low quote unquote, just because you have a low tax liability in checks, you pay taxes in a bunch of other ways. So the poor people pay just as much taxes as everybody else, as people mm-hmm. who are not as poor. So we got to be making sure that they are accounted for because they are also going to be the ones, we are also going to be the ones that spend more of our money right away because we have to. If you want to yeah. keep the economy stimulated, people have to have money to spend. So give them money to spend. Additionally, that Republican plan will come with huge tax cuts for the rich and a ba- and bailouts, huge bailouts. So Boeing wants a $60 billion bailout. They're worth $70 billion. So we're going to pay for almost 90% of the worth of the company, and then they can, they can repay it back with no interest? Absolutely not. Bernie Sanders has a plan where, I'm not even Bernie Sanders, AOC has a plan that I like a lot, where you pay people up to $2,500, but... On top of that, what they would also do is any company that got any money from us so that they can get out of the situation, they would not be able to buy back any stocks. They can't buy back their stocks at all. 
which is great because necessary. Yeah, that's what a lot of these companies do when they get this money. They just buy their stocks back to raise the value of their company, and they don't invest it in workers. They don't invest it in improving the company for people that do the the basic work. Didn't the airlines do this last time? Like buy back their stocks? Yeah. Yeah. So Tammy, what are your thoughts about how elected officials, whether it be Governor Cuomo or, you know, Donald Trump? I mean, what are you what are your thoughts on how the plans that they're putting forward to protect our communities and the working class? So politicians are a joke and politics is a joke. And I'm beginning to regret spending 65,000 U.S. dollars on my degree in political science for literally this like clown show that we're seeing here. First of all, I love how on brand it is for the GOP to manage to shaft working class people as they're trying to help working class people. They're like, yeah, we're going to give workers money. But if you're poor, you don't get that much money. Or like, you know, if you're not valuable to us, you don't get that much money. Um, I also think that that part of the plan particularly is like abhorrent to me because there is a correlation between working class workers and the local communities and small businesses that run our country. Like no doubt about it. Working class people every time are the ones showing up for local businesses. Mm -hmm. Like, when you look at communities of color historically, like, who is your grandma buying her vegetables from? Like, okay, sure, like, there we do go to supermarkets, whatever. But I know for a fact that my grandma goes to, like, local little haymarket fruit stands. And me and my roommates shop locally because it's easier, it's cheaper. Like, you know, we, we get the goods from the people that we know. So I think it's very ironic that in trying to stimulate local communities, the people who are going to actually end up getting the money are those who need it less and big corporations who cry and cry about, you know, being rich as heck and being liquid and being viable in the stock market. And then something like this happens and suddenly they're chickens without a head um secondly i just want to point out what an absolute blunder the democratic party has made and honestly between the between the primaries like the primaries alone should have people questioning their alliance with and affiliation with the democratic party Mm -hmm. but if that wasn't enough this whole economic stimulus plan should be enough kamala harris came out kamala kamala whatever her Kamala the cop came out with a plan where she is offering $500 50 per person that is an absolute joke especially considering she represents San Francisco one of the most expensive cities in the entirety of the United States like Democrats are blundering the opportunity to show their their constituents, their voters, their people that they are the party of the working class. Hold on, Timmy. You, and, just one correction: up to five hundred dollars. You're right. <laughs> so you're nice. right. Because most people are not even gonna, even if you're in an ideal couple that qualifies for a five hundred. She's probably going to say, "I'm sorry, you only get four hundred dollars." No, and that is an absolute a joke. Month. A joke. Like it is li- like the fact that Donald Trump is offering more money than Kamala the cop is so surprising. But mm. then there's Chuck Schumer, who's who's the minority leader right now. 
And he thinks it's a bad idea to send checks. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Chuck Schumer represents New York. We are the ones being hit hardest in the entire country in this crisis. He, I'm sure, is getting calls, emails, letters from thousands of his constituents from all over whose businesses are closing, who can no longer afford to pay rent. And he has the nerve to even reject an idea like this. Mm. So to me, when I see the GOP making plans to distribute checks, I'm like, it is officially topsy-turvy land, y'all. Oh, yeah. The oh. Democrats said, fend for yourself. The Republicans said, here's $4, please buy locally. <laughs> and we are in a place now where we have no idea where we're going to be a year from now. Tammy, can you clarify on, on what justification is Chuck Schumer making saying that we don't need, you know, any type of cash or checks? Like, what is the argument? So basically, he doesn't think it's like a smart economic plan. Okay. Like he he's talking about he's talk he quoted it as saying it's unemployment insurance on steroids, which is literally not correlational at all. Like it has no nothing to do with people being laid off. It just is the fact that you know everyone is going to experience some sort of hit. But he also is talking about it being smarter to stimulate like the stock markets. Um, he talked a lot about uh, the trillion dollars recently given. I forget what he said, but I don't, I, th I think he kind of sees this as a joke and that you can't prop up everyone at once. He also is quoted as saying like this bill or like the idea of the bill would hardly give hospitals any money at all. So essentially he's correlating parts of an economic stimulus that have nothing to do with individuals mm. and trying to make a trade-off as if we couldn't spend money on hospitals or major corporations as well as give individuals money. Um, thank you. Yeah, so the stimulus package that you've been talking about that uh, the Trump administration wants to implement is $1 trillion with a T, which is way more money than uh, the bailout of 2008. Um, so, so let's just talk about it because they're going to give us, you know, a couple hundred, maybe a thousand dollars, depending on your income, but millions of dollars are going to go to big businesses. Um, you know, Tammy, what effect would this stimulus proposal have on, you know, big businesses versus the working, working class? And, you know, what do you foresee happening just based on knowledge and past experiences dealing with government? I just... It hurts me to see this unfolding because I feel like this is 2008 all over again. Like when the big banks got a bailout and we didn't see anything. And to me, you know, we talk a lot about how this is the downfall of capitalism, but this is where it happens right here. And not to get like real, I'm not, I'm not a theory person. I don't, I think praxis and how you act in society is more important than like economic theory or whatever. But I will point out that this is the exact point of history that Karl Marx was talking about. Like the gap between those who own the means and the working class will grow so substantially that the working class will have nothing to do but to bite back. And every, you know, every time we see something like this where major corporations need to be bailed out and the government funnels all of our tax dollars into these efforts instead of amping up local communities and folks to buy locally, it just gets us further and further away from economic security. 
what I see is major corporations are going to be bailed out and then they're going to be fine. Like they are literally going to be fine, Selena, because these people, these corporations are run by millionaires. They're still living their lives pretty Mm -hmm. much unchanged. But where we see it is these companies claiming that they're running out of money will start to lay off people in droves like United just did with 1,200 of its people. Mm -hmm. Those folks will no longer have money to contribute to local and national economies. And Mm -hmm. it means that their families now get even lower on the economic scale. It means we see less and less middle class folks and more people bordering the line of poverty, if not hitting that line and going below. So this is exactly the point where we talk about an economic theory where capitalism is absolutely unsustainable. Bailing out these companies consistently doesn't mean anything if the working class can no longer afford to support them. Because even if you bail out the airline funds, what's going to happen when less people are able to afford vacations and flights? They're still not going to get any money coming in. A capitalist will tell you that that's the market resetting itself. Oh, I was like, go ahead, Stanley. uh, Elaborate on that. So, like, what they're saying is, like, that's the, that's the market resetting itself. It's fixing itself. Like, too, like, you're not supposed to have this much access to these things. And, mm-hmm. like, there was a, it's oversaturation of these companies and organizations. So they will fall to the wayside and the strongest will survive. So that's, that's the market correcting itself and it's doing what it's supposed to do. But obviously, when they're talking about the market correcting itself, they erase all human engagement in there. So they don't talk about that, like, what the blowback is going to be. But, yeah. What do you say to that, Tammy? Well, I'm sorry. If, if I may, Stanley, you know, you know, Tammy is absolutely right. The wealth gap is only going to be exasperated at this point. And there, you know, when it comes to educational debt, when it comes to, you know, even just access to education and access to upper mobility, that's not going to happen. And I know a lot of times when we talk about the elite 1%, um, I read one report that said, like, it, it expands greater than that. It's mostly like the top 5% or the top, the top 20% of people who are doing like sort of okay or are very well and wealthy compared to the 80% of us, mm-hmm. which is, you know, everyday people, we're going to be basically blown to the dust, blown to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, worse come the worst, would we have to take menial jobs? Would we have to take, you know, you know, start doing things for um, minimum wage, which is also a joke. I mean, it's, it's, it's really sad. And I, you know, not only that, I want to take some time to talk about the economic impact um, on the unemployment rate itself. So, you know, Trump has been boasting about a low unemployment rate, uh, which is because of Obama and the Obama administration. They took a lot of efforts uh, when he entered office in 2008 to make sure that unemployment was on a steady decline and basically hand passed the baton, gave that to Trump. Uh, and he's been taking all the credit. So the unemployment rate in February was at a record low of 3.5%, I believe. And now I hear studies, I hear reports saying that the unemployment rate could actually jump to something like 20%, which yep. is, you know, mm-hmm. quadruple. Um, so, so let's just talk about that. Um, you know, Tammy, if you want to jump in here, uh, what do you, where do you foresee, you know, unemployment going? On him, there, the numbers are correct. I mean, Think about, think about New York City alone. How many people do you know whose incomes entirely rely on the restaurant or food service business, their small business, nightlife, or anything that's affected by this? Mm-hmm. Like all my friends who are being laid off in droves, they all pretty much work in those industries. So yeah. 
like in major cities like ours where we depend on tourism, we depend on people going out, we depend on, you know, food diversity and partying and all that. Mm-hmm. Like that's where those numbers are coming from. And they they sound legit to me. I really believe that we're going to hit 20%, especially if this goes on, which it looks like it's going to for mm-hmm. longer than anticipated. Like my job said stay at home until March 30th. That ain't happening. Like, it's getting worse and worse. This yeah. is going to last for many, many months. So I don't foresee that number. You know, I might even be a conservative estimate. I do want to add a caveat, though. Like, I want people to know my opinion on this. The unemployment rate looking low is also a joke. Because when you look at the un- unemployment rate falling, it's because people have to have more jobs now to survive than they did before. Yeah. Like, more and more people have two, three part-time jobs instead of one full-time job where they don't even have benefits. So that's why you kind of say that, that to me answers, how is the unemployment rate so low yet people are still struggling? Mm -hmm. And when the unemployment rate goes this high, the number of people without benefits, without access to healthcare, without any sort of like employment based service is going to skyrocket. Yep. Well, well, Stanley, um, we talked about this offline that an economic downturn was almost inevitable. Like it was very foreseeable. Um, And it just sounds like the coronavirus exasperated that process, amplified it and accelerated it. What, you know, when you told me that, that was almost like mind blowing, just elaborate on the economic downturn that we were already experiencing and how much worse it's going to be now. Yeah. So like, like you say, we were already heading towards a recession. Recessions are almost inevitable in capitalism. That they just generally are. And there's certain things you can do to kind of protect them. And the Trump administration has done a lot of things that have helped to accelerate it, which has included taking away revenue from the federal government to give it back to businesses who are not reinvesting it into actually doing business and hiring people. They have like cut vital, like vital um, departments and sources and, like, they just have not been responsible with the money management things. So, like, the economy was already starting to suffer, and we were going to start to suffer the consequences of it because of that. With the coronavirus, it accelerates it because all of a sudden, even though we were heading towards a recession, you still had industries that were thriving. The coronavirus forces a bunch of industries to just halt right now, which means they're not bringing in any money. And now, all of a sudden, they go from being in a pretty decent place to not really knowing what their future is. They're going to have to start letting people go. And because we don't have the funding to pay for things like unemployment and housing, the people who lose those jobs will struggle. And they will, they will just stretch an already stretched too thin infrastructure for poor people. And then before you know it, when we may have had an unemployment rate of like 8.5% or 9.5% under a regular recession, we're going to see something 25 to 30% with corona involved there as well and unless we do something about it we're going to see mass evictions mass home foreclosures just like 2008 crisis Mm. so you know that being said where do we go from here how can we support our communities during this time of crisis tammy well i'm you know i'm i'm a community activist so i really believe in the power of community support um you know, groups of people working together towards a common cause. First of all, I think everyone, like, being at home right now, especially those without jobs, 
I would advise getting into e-activism and community groups now more than ever. Like there are efforts being held, like rallies being held on national rent freezes and things like that, that would help to stimulate the economy in these times. I know that if folks weren't on the line for rent, they can afford to buy more things for their families and their communities and support local businesses. So I always encourage folks to get involved, but especially now more than ever. Like just if there's something that you're worried about, Google it because there is a group doing something about it. Like in New York, we have housing justice for all. Like we have DSA. We have so many groups doing work on the ground. Well, on the Internet ground um, to protect communities. Also, community support is super key at this time. Um, I think it's important to have kind of a positive outlook. Even if things are looking really dire, like it's not going to do anything for us as a community to just kind of be bummed about it. Like look to those in your community that are doing something and aid where you can. There's an Instagram COVID-19 underscore messengers that's doing on the ground deliveries for people who can't get to the grocery store or maybe at high risk. There's tons of mutual aid groups all over this city and others in the United States and now more than ever, support your local businesses. Call your favorite restaurants in the hoods. Call that plant shop and ask them if they're doing deliveries. Ask them how you can support. Donate to GoFundMes for restaurant workers. Like Now more than ever, I think, especially for someone like me that has job security, it's important to pool your resources together mm -hmm. to make sure that our community isn't absolutely decimated. Stanley... Where can we go from here in terms of community and just looking upward and forward? We got to be pushing elected officials to A, tax the rich and take that extra money that they don't need anyway and invest it in paying for rents for people and getting Medicare for all for people and really going full all out and doing everything we can to protect the homes and livelihoods of all people in this country. We have the money to cover everyone's housing to cover everyone's health care. We can do these things right now. And we got to make it happen. And the only way it'll happen is if folks make enough noise that people are forced to listen and respond to us. Well said. And I'll just end by saying when I was first quarantined on March 11th, um, I thought by March 23rd, I was going to be back and in effect, back to work, back to my normal life. But the past 15 days or so, has shown that this crisis is only getting worse. And studies and reports are saying that more than likely, we're going to have to endure even up to 18 months of pain. Um, that means we're looking into, you know, 2022 before a vaccine or a cure or some type of treatment could actually be effective. The reason being is because the pharmaceutical companies are not going to give out vaccines unless it's profitable and they can make money. And that's a huge blunder and loophole in our healthcare system. And it's something that should not be. But because of capitalism, because of the systems we have in place, that's exactly what it looks like can happen and may happen. And that's dire and, and it's grim and it's a harsh reality. And, you know, another thing that I've been really thinking about in these last 10, 15 days or so is how the coronavirus doesn't even care if you're Republican, progressive, white, black, rich, poor, middle class, or working class, it's taking out everybody. And 
the fact of the matter is, even though it's affecting all of us, still, we still see because of inequalities in our system, who's actually getting the test, who's actually recovering. Mm. Like, oh, like the whole Trump administration and, and Pence administration, they've all been tested. Um, you know, Ram Paul, like we mentioned, he got his test, got the results. And I'm like, I read this account of this millennial who it took him to the point where he passed out and became unconscious for him to finally get some medical help. And he, it was days, like he took days trying to call 911 and health and health organizations to try to get some assistance. But they kept saying, we don't have tests. We just don't have the resources. And it wasn't until he almost died that the ER finally picked him up and was like, okay, his, his symptoms are so severe that we have to treat them. And it just goes to show that again, like, the, 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 the amount of inequality and injustice that this system has implicated is, is horrible. And we are literally all in this together. And yeah. I honestly, I frankly don't even think that the government would even be doing more if it wasn't affecting people in Italy and other white people, if you ask mm, me. Because yeah. every time we saw a crisis, whether that's malaria in Africa, Ebola, etc., if it's only hitting people who are black and brown, it's, it doesn't really become a pandemic. At least True. it doesn't affect us. Um, but I'll say this, as tragic as this atrocity is, it's these periods of crisis that also present opportunity and small glimpses of hope. Yeah. And I say that because this could mean more sophisticated and flexible technology. It could mean we have a revived appreciation for the outdoors, human connection, and simple pleasures of life. It could mean that people get so fed up that they stop voting against their interests for emotional satisfaction and they actually vote for experts and people and elected officials that will do something and actually care and value the working class. Mm. It could mean perhaps we could even increase our love of community. Like when Stanley was talking about taxing the rich and using that money to help fund people who need housing. That's community-minded. Mm -hmm. We are so individualistic as a society and so selfish and so greedy. All we care about is making that, that next dollar, that next million, and getting to a billion. And don't get me wrong, like, I've been victim to that, too. Like, you know, you know whether it's Jay-Z or Beyonce hitting that billionaire status and all these other people, but the fact of the matter is, what good... Is it to make millions and billions of dollars if the rest of the world is crumbling right before your eyes? What, what good is that? Oh, you potting now. I'll say this. The coronavirus pandemic is going to cause more turmoil, pain, and suffering. But what it will also do is it's forcing us to reconsider who we are and what we value. And in the wrong run, it could bring out the best versions of ourselves. But that's a choice that we have to make and we have to make it now. We have to be able to say that I'm going to sacrifice my time and recreational activity for the good of public health. And I'm going to mm. sacrifice the money I don't really need that I'm shelving and hiding away in the Cayman Islands to reinvest in organizations that are doing something to save humanity. Ultimately, this is forcing us to live more meaningful lives. And that impact, that, that actually lasts 
much greater than how this pandemic is going to last, in my opinion. That's a fact. Good job. Absolute that was great closing. Bars. Wow. Well, as I slid in and barge you up, we are done for this week. Thank you so much for supporting Be Her Talk. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with a non-corona-related topic. And we'll be heading into that second week of quarantine at that point. Don't forget you can support us and help fund the work that we do and get us better materials so we can have better audio for you by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash beheard radio. We're going to change that link. Don't worry. Look out for the rollout of a new website, new logo, and all the cool things that are coming soon. And wash your hands, stay safe, and stay inside, guys, please. It's important. All right. Till next week.